Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day and for Your many blessings. We thank You for the blessing of this Lord's Day that we as Your people can gather and worship You. We thank You that You have provided the opportunity for us, both redemptively but so also physically. And we thank You for this class. We ask that Your Holy Spirit would continue to guide us and direct us as we seek to know Your Word, know Your will as it is revealed in Your Word, and so grow in our knowledge of You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so the, I, I brought this grouping of, of the Proverbs together under the heading of family, or rather, uh, yeah, family, friends, and neighbors, uh, thinking that would be a good way to, to look at it, having no idea that this would turn into a five-part study. Um, but... Here, here we are on, uh, or maybe not, we may get it into, into four, uh, but this is part three of this study. Um, the last two weeks we looked at family, and last week uh, I, I took part of what the proverb says about the um, Proverbs 31 woman and sort of drew out of that uh, things that I think apply to the family, and so I hope that was very uh, encouraging to you. Uh, but this uh, Sunday, we're going we're gonna to take a turn. We're going to take a turn and look at friends. Uh, what do the Proverbs have to say about friendship? As it turns out, quite a bit. Um, and so let's look at this together. Let's start with this. What is friendship? It's one of those things that uh, we take for granted and we know what it is, or at least we think that we know what it is, but sometimes it's hard to define um, how would you, in your friendships, how would you, def- how would you define friendship? What is it? All right. So there's a connection between uh, real and genuine fellowship, and maybe we even say the enjoyment of, of being with someone. Um, and, and so there's the connection between fellowship and friendship. What else? I think that's excellent. Right. We're going to look at that today. Someone that, that sticks closer than a brother, which means what? It's a figurative expression meaning what? Huh? Reliable. That's right. So somebody that's, that's reliable, somebody that's trustworthy. But just to be clear, I know a lot of folks that I consider trustworthy that, are, that I encounter in my life and some that I enjoy fellowship with, but not all those would I consider a friend. At least not in the sense of a close friend. All right. So, someone that's there for you, sort of like the friend that sticks closer than a brother uh, whenever you need somebody, right? Yeah. Relational. We could add to that, right? I mean, it's it's someone that we have a relationship with. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain sense where, uh, the, the, and we're going to talk about that today, where, where a friend is someone that sticks with you, but so also will speak into your life, both encouragement and correction. And uh, we probably are only going to let a friend do that, right? At least at a, a certain deep level. Well, you can see it seems that we, we're moving around and we, we know what it is, but, but it's still hard to define, isn't it? 
And so let's look at what the Proverbs say. What defines true friendship? And incidentally, I'm going to use the word true here because actually, and I found this so fascinating in studying the Proverbs, um, that there there are things, there are topics in the Proverbs that I'm surprised that there's not more about. And then there's some that I come across and I think, good grief. There's a lot in the Proverbs about this topic that I've never really even given a whole lot of thought to. And one of those is fake friendship. Um, And so I'm going to make the distinction when we talk about friendship between true friendship and fake friendship. And we'll get to that last. Um, But what defines true friendship? Let's start here in Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, 17 and 18. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. One who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. We'll talk about that later in regards to a neighbor. But the first part of that, verse 17, is what I want to focus on, not verse 18. Verse 17 tells us that who loves at all times? A friend. So one of the things that defines a friend is love. Um, I don't remember, and maybe you did, I don't remember anybody using that word. Um, I don't think anybody said, I said, what defines a friend? Uh, And I don't think anybody said love. But that is one of the defining factors of friendship. Notice, and this was, I think, what, what Marion was saying about you know someone that sticks by you through thick and thin or whatever the expression was. A, a friend loves at all times. That's the idea of that. It, it's a lo- relational love for someone, or in this case, it's you're, he's speaking as the recipient, someone that loves me all the time. To, to, to Hilda's point, no, no matter what, they, they love me all the time. And then it adds two here, and we might think here that it's switching gears from uh, friendship to family when it says a brother is born for adversity, but that's just a poetic construct, isn't it? In other words, oftentimes in uh, the poetry of the Proverbs, the writer will use synonyms to talk about the same thing. And so that's what's happening here. He's talking about friendship. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. What's the idea of a brother is born? Well, true, but a a better perspective would, would be is that we have friendships that are just perfectly fit for us, right? We would say that's a friendship made in heaven. That would be a, an expression. Maybe that's a southern idiom. I don't know. But, but we might say something along those lines. And the idea is that, that we have friendships that are, are so connected to us, it's as if they were, they were born. And, and oftentimes, we might even say, for a moment in time. Someone, something, someone that came into our life at the perfect time, and it is exactly what we needed and if any of you have encountered this before in, in your friendships, I know that I certainly have, where there is a situation, oftentimes, as is the case here, adversity. There's a trying situation in your life, and God brings just who you need just in, in that time. Well, that's, that's part of the love of friendship. Number two, Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin... But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. What's the general idea here? 
the general idea of this proverb, and we'll look at it a little closer, but the general idea is loyalty, isn't it? To stick, that's the idea there, stick, closer, means someone that sticks with you through thick and thin. Again, we have all of these idiomatic expressions to explain things like this, as does the poetry of this proverb. Uh, but the idea is not, uh, to be clear, th this is not a statement against family. It's not saying friendship's better than family or anything like that. That's not the point. The point is the poetry is showing us a contrast. And the contrast is to emphasize what? The friendship. It's to contrast this in a family setting to say there is a friendship that is so rich, it is so good, someone that sticks with you to such an extent that uh, they are indeed a true friend. What was the first part of that proverb talking about? A man of many companions may come to ruin. What, what does that mean? I mean, isn't it good to have a, a bunch of buddies isn't it good to have some, some companions that, that you just you hang out with? I mean, is it more the merrier? And we kind of snicker, don't we? And, and, and why, do we, why do we snicker at that? Because we think about those true, deep friendships that we enjoy, and they wouldn't fill up this room, would they? They, they might not fill up that table. But... They're close. We trust them. They're loyal, which is the point here. And so someone who says, well, it's like a guy, <laughs> and I'll pick on this. This is so funny. There's a guy that used to work for me back when I was in business, and um, he would always say, someone is a buddy of mine. And I thought, I guess in, in my naivete, I thought that means like they're, they're real they're real chums, you know, or the English would say, that's my best mate. And I thought, okay, well, that must be what, what he, he means. And we were talking one time, he was telling me about some guy, and he said, oh, yeah, a buddy of mine works at so-and-so financial firm. And one day, I happened to be at that financial firm. And so it was in downtown Little Rock, and so I went in there, and I knew the guy by name because the guy that worked for me had talked about him, used his name, that's my buddy, so forth and so on. You know where this is going, right? So I go into that firm, and uh, it was on a trading floor, and there are all these guys trading. I think they were trading bonds. And there's a guy over here, fast and furious, on his computer. And I walk over, and, and I say, hey, I just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to meet you personally. I'm John Clayton. I am friends with so-and-so. Who? You know so-and-so. No, I don't. And I had to sort of back into how he might be an acquaintance of his. And it became apparent to me, the longer that this guy worked for me, that a buddy of mine meant somebody he had met. Not what I thought it meant, like my bosom buddy, my best friend. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what my, uh, uh, actually, buddy of mine that had rents the space upstairs, he, he, he calls those, he's all, those, are, those are all my fake friends. You know, let me show you all my fake friends and their fake lives. Yeah. <laughs> he literally, he, he, would, he knows who I am. He is a buddy. He, he's actually a close friend. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, the fake friends of Facebook, right? 
Yeah, were you going to say something? All right. So, this, so the second part of true friendship is defined by loyalty. And again, that's sort of what we were all saying just a couple of minutes ago when we were trying to define this. Very similar but distinct is Proverbs, the topic, third topic here. Proverbs 27.6, the first part of that says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, which is what Hilda was getting at just a minute ago. And Proverbs 27.17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. The idea here, and incidentally Proverbs 27.17, that could be applied to a myriad of topics. So I realize it's not just trust that it's talking about, but it is at least talking about that. Faithful are the wounds of the friend mean what? We trust them. Hilda said, you know, I've got a friend, and when they say something to me, I know that I can trust that. And and sometimes it's encouragement, sometimes it's correction, but whatever the case is, I can really trust them as a faithful friend. And then Proverbs 27, 17, what's the the idea of that? And again, this is is poetic language. We've got got metaphors here. So to be clear, um, I would imagine iron sharpens iron, but that's not the point, is it? The, the, the point is, what's the iron? Yeah, it's, it's, it's me or you, right? It's us. And, and iron is someone else, right? Not, it's not talking about metal here. The metaphors are describing us and our relational context with other people. And, and what's the idea here? Well, it, it could be. It could be correction in terms of friction. But, but it also just means in general, whether it's encouragement or correction, or whatever the case is, that, that we have people in our lives that make us better. Think about that. That's one of the things I talk about when I do uh, marital counseling is I'm, I'm uh, sitting across from typically a, a young uh, man and young woman. I say typically meaning I'm not ever sitting across from uh, two men and two women. Um, what I mean is, is that typically they're young. young. Not always. Um, I, I did have a meeting one time with two that were in their 80s. Um, and I just got up and let them come around and sit in my chair. Um, but, <laughs> but, but the idea that, that I tell them is I tell that young man or that young woman, I said, in five years, he should be a better man. In five years, she should be a better woman. And in 10 years, we should be able to, people from the outside should be able to look back and go, wow, that person in that person's life made a phenomenal positive difference in their life. And I I talked to the young man and young woman about friction in their life and, and how they can easily fall into degrading one another and tearing down. And that's not what Proverbs 27, 17 is talking about, is it? Is saying that we've got somebody in our life or some people, more than one in our lives. And man, when we are around them, they make us better. They make us better uh, people. And then, of course, we've got others that what? Don't sharpen us. We've got people in our lives that make us worse, right? So we want to avoid them. <laughs> Number four, Proverbs 27, 9 and 10. All right, so... Just to be clear right up front, uh, this is highly poetic language. Don't get trapped in the metaphors. Let it flow through. Let's look for the general meaning here. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. 
The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Okay, so the general idea here is counsel, which is again one of the things that we were talking about earlier in terms of defining uh, true friendship. Uh, we, we, uh, true friendship is defined by someone who loves us and that we love, someone who is loyal to us and that we're loyal to, someone that uh, we trust them to speak into our lives and so also they do as well, and someone who we trust their counsel. What is the idea of oil and perfume make the heart glad? <clears throat> What's the general concept? That's right. That's the point. Because I've had perfume and cologne that did not make me glad, but made me sad, and I couldn't get away to get away from it. The general idea is pleasantness, right? There's a, there, there's a sense where, uh, where we smell something, we go, oh, that's nice. That's pleasant. That's something that, that I enjoy. And we see that here with the next uh, expression, the sweetness. So now we've moved to taste, of course. We're mixing metaphors, but the general idea is, is that there is something that is pleasant to us, to our being, and then there is the sweetness. And what is, the, what is it that is sweet that comes from true friendship, as it's described here? That's right. I mean, good counsel. That's good. Mm. That's good. That's an excellent uh, point using drawing out from that metaphor. That's good. Yeah, the, er, the point of the earnest. I mean, note there that the, the idea is that this is a weighty matter and it's serious and, and it's not flippant. Um, you know, I mean, we, we, have, we all have um, broader friends, you know, Good buddies um, that 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 are in our in our our life, but but typically our interaction with them may be friendly, but it doesn't mean that that they necessarily speak into our lives or are we into theirs at an earnest level. This is a, a weightiness, a heaviness to it. And then it says, "Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend." What's the idea there? In terms of, of uh, trustworthy, loyal friendship, what's the idea? So don't forsake your friend, meaning the person that's a true friend, as, as is defined by Scripture, that true friend can hard times come for that friendship. Can there be differences of opinion that may cause friction between those two friends? Yes. Can there be life circumstances that can cause problems in that friendship? Right? And what's the, what's the say, saying here? Don't forsake your buddy, your true friend. Don't forsake your friend. And what's the point of the father's friend? Yeah, I mean, there's a sense of honor here, isn't it? They may or may not speak wisdom into your life, but the point is, is that they were someone who your father or mother needed in a, in a time, and uh, they were a true friend, and so there's a sense of honor there. 
Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, there's a certain aspect of, 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 of they spoke truth into your father or he spoke truth in their life. And so there's also a, a sense of, of generational loyalty, so to speak. And then it says, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Does that mean don't go to your brother's house in the day of calamity? No. No, it doesn't. Um, so if, if your family member lives next door to you, this, this proverb is not saying don't go to your family in, in time of need. This is not the point of this Proverbs, although some fools have tried to draw it out to be. But rather, what's the point? The point is the last sentence. Better is a neighbor. Who's that neighbor? That neighbor is a synonym for what? Friend. That's right. That's right. So better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who's far away. Again, the poetic device here is of contrast. So a neighbor is a little more distant than a friend. A brother is someone I'm related to. And so he's drawing this contrast to tell us about who. This is a a typical poetic device. I'm saying neighbor, I'm saying brother, but I'm really talking about who? Friend. That's right. That's the point, is the contrast are to point us and push us back into the friend. And what's the point of the friend? Is that there's a day of adversity, there's a day of calamity, we're all going to encounter it, and those are the days that we need our true friends. And there's a day that's going to come when our friend needs us. And so the point is, is that... God uses our friends and the counsel of those friends, and we are to be thankful for those, so also to develop them. All right, so what invites and encourages true friendship? What invites, and the reason why I'm using invite here is because I think in in some cases uh, there there may be uh, some people, especially uh, depending upon their age, uh, maybe some uh, that maybe even watching this this video who say, you know, I'm I'm really not sure that I have that friend. I'm really not sure that I have those kinds of of friendships. And so, uh, part of of what I want to draw out from the following proverbs is there isn't a sense that we invite friendship by virtue of how we live and how we interact with those with whom we want to be friends. And also, there is a sense where uh, we can drain the life out of other people when all we are is just takers. Uh, And as soon as I said that, I would imagine everybody in here just went, like somebody popped into their mind. You know, it's like, ah, probably wasn't right. And John had us do it in Sunday school. Uh, Something wrong with that, right? But the the, the point is, is that that there are people in our lives that take and 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 take. And there doesn't seem to be any, any give. That's not to say that that's not a part of reality. It's not to, it's part to say that that's part of life, but that's not true friendship. True friendship is... That's exactly right. That's an old expression. To have a friend, you have to be a friend. And so it works both ways. And so you not only invite friendship, but you also encourage it. It's a two-way street. Well, how do we encourage that? Well, this first one may surprise all of us. Proverbs twenty-two eleven. He who loves purity of heart will have the king as his friend. And so the first one that I'm listing here, even though it's not in that proverb, is the general idea of integrity. 
Integrity. What does this... Let's break the proverb down. He who loves purity of heart... So what's that describing? Yeah, purity of heart. Our inner being is set on doing that which is pure. Uh, The implication, of course, would be in God's sight. And the idea is of of loving that. So what what do we know about this person? They're not that person I described a couple of weeks ago who lives their life by finding the gray areas of life and coming right up next and riding side saddle, which that which is wrong. It's somebody that just loves to do the right thing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, and, and the idea there is one of integrity. Uh, whether it's public or private, whatever the case is, their love for purity is, is lived out in their lives. And then it has this, this odd expression uh, that I think many don't understand, and that is that this person of integrity will have the king as his friend. What does that mean, that he'll have the king as his friend? So what, what would be the point? poetically, of inserting the king into this proverb. What do we know about a king? Top of the heap, top authority, one who reigns, one who rules. Is it easy to get into see the king? No, no. Is everybody a true friend of the king? No. Who does the king trust? Who does, who does the person that, that God sets up in, in authority, who does he trust? I mean, think about this just a second. Well, everybody I know already knows the answer. But think about the biblical example in Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. You couldn't find two people more different, right? One a pagan ruler, a total egomaniac. The other a humble servant of God who was faithful even when he was separated from his homeland And yet, we see a kind of friendship develop between the two and and sort of to a a certain extent blossom. And what was it about Daniel that led him to be a friend of the king? Yeah. And not just his reputation, but what? His actual... I mean, the, the king witnessed it. He saw his life of integrity. And the the king, regardless of the fact that he was the polar opposite in terms of his belief system and his worldview, nevertheless, he trusted Daniel. And that's the idea here, that one who loves purity of heart will have the king of his friend. It emphasizes the importance of integrity in friendship. If you have someone... that is an acquaintance of of yours, and they are someone of questionable integrity. How close are you going to let them into your life? You're not, are you? There's going to be a sense of an arm's length or more separation between you. Why? You can't trust them, can you? No, you you can't trust them. And so the idea is is that there is a separation there because of a lack of trust. Friendship, true, godly, biblical friendship grows from integrity. Number two, Proverbs 22.11. He whose speech 
is gracious. You see, I'm using the same verse here. It's just a separate point. He whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Same verse, same situation with the king, but what's the idea here? I had a hard time uh, coming up with how to define this, so I'm going to use the word grace, but what I mean by that is uh, human grace in in the sense of of someone who... um, Uh, shows a sense of grace to others. And in this case, we see it in speech. What does does gracious speech mean, and how is it different from flattery? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Matilda. She wins over Matilda. Yeah. Marilla. Marilla. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marilla the gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great. It's a the 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 books are excellent as well. Uh, believe it or not, I've read them, um, and they're they're so good. But that's a great point. I mean, it is, and there's a sense of of grace and graciousness uh, to her, in addition to her humility about her hair. Right? <laughs> Red hair. Right? What else? What is gracious speech is gracious? What, what else is this conveying? And what, this is the main point I'm trying to get across because we're going to look at flattery. How is this distinct from flattery? Maybe we need to define. What, what what's flattery? Huh? Insincere and typically, or not typically, it's, it's always related to What? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's it's involving what, how's it conveyed, in what you say, right? Flattery is always in something that's that's verbal, right? So, so a verbal insincerity, we we could say, is is flattery. I mean, is that fair? Anybody going to add to that? Okay. So if if that, and I'm not sure if I need to think about that definition, but we'll stick with it for right now, and. In terms of gracious speech, what's the difference? Because incidentally, we're going to see flattery as something that is a hallmark of fake friendship. And we see here gracious speech as a definer of true friendship and encouraging friendship. So what's the difference? If flattery is in uh, verbal insincerity, what is gracious speech? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think in terms of, of, of speech, gracious speech, it's, it's, it's someone that is going to not tell lies because they think that that might make someone feel good about themselves, but they're going to use choice truths that are going to encourage and uplift and, and so forth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And why then do you think that that would be listed as one of the things that leads to having that person who speaks graciously being a friend of the king? Yeah, and it's truth, isn't it? I mean, again, think about the Nebuchadnezzar and and, uh, Daniel situation. I encourage you to read that and look at how consistently Daniel, who again, in religion and overall worldview, is the polar opposite of Nebuchadnezzar, and he consistently shows respect to him. He always will introduce his conversation with a, a term of authority and acknowledgement and honor. And even when uh, God speaks to him in the, through the prophetic vision and Daniel has to interpret it, what does he say? Not, finally, this guy's got it coming. Finally, the wicked ruler, it's going to happen. God's going to turn him into a beast. What does he say? You remember? May this happen to your enemies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to tell you because I want this to happen to your enemies. I mean, it's a sense of, of, of acknowledgement uh, and graciousness uh, despite their differences. Number three, Proverbs 19.6. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. <laughs> now, I realize that that verse is a negative. Um, So before I even write the word on the board, um, let's just, well, I'm going to go ahead and write it, and then I'll explain to you why I went ahead and included it. First of all, one of the ways that we invite and encourage friendship is a generosity. But this verse, 19.6, many seek the favor of a generous man, that incidentally it has a negative connotation. We know that by virtue of the second half of it. Everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. The idea there is a general superficiality, right? I mean, it, when, when you're... I'll put it this way, um, and I've used this example before, but uh, I, I think I have anyway, is that um, Warren Buffett is one of the wealthiest men in the world and arguably the greatest American investor to ever live. And no doubt, he, he is brilliant and a smart man. Um, and when asked about his uh, abilities and so forth, he'll oftentimes, either jokingly or in a humble way, and I, it may be humble, um, he'll say, you know, really my only gifting is the ability to allocate capital. Um, and, and yet, there are contests and fundraisers that happen that people will bid up, and I, not, I'm not kidding when I say this, not just hundreds of thousands of dollars, but tons and tons of money to be able to meet with Warren Buffett. Now, what do you think that they're going to talk about? That's what I want to know. And the general idea is, is that why do they want to meet with Warren Buffett instead of you? I mean, there's only one answer, right? No. He's rich. That's it. He's been successful at allocating capital, in his words. And yet, I will tell you, 
He doesn't know that much about Christianity. He doesn't claim to be one, to my knowledge. There's a number of different things that he doesn't know. And yet people will spend tons and tons of money to meet with him. What's the idea there? The idea there is that someone who has a lot of money, well, they must know a lot of things. And so I want to be his, his buddy, his good buddy. Yeah, his good buddy, right? Uh, but also those who are, are generous. And this is why I turned a negative proverb to a positive here because there is a sense in which someone who is generous <clears throat> does in fact build a certain emotional uh, equity, a certain mo- emotional capital with someone by virtue of their generosity, right? Now, if it only stays at the level of that person's generosity, that's not true friendship, is it? I mean, that's just superficiality. But the point here is that within true friendship and what invites and encourages it, uh, it, it draws from, uh, or rather it's based on that person's integrity, the person's grace and how they show grace in their lives, and so also can even often begin by virtue of someone with a, a generous nature. And, and that was the idea, that term generous nature, because we all have people in our lives who are generous to us, or I'd imagine we do, who are generous to us, and we often want to be their friend, don't we, by virtue of their generosity, and so that invites friendship. Well, We don't have much time, but what invites and encourages fake friendship? I made this distinction, and as I said before, I didn't see this coming when I started this study, uh, but the Proverbs actually has quite a bit to say about fake friendship. First of all, what invites and encourages fake friendship? Proverbs 19.4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. So one of the ways that fake friendship is in, uh, begins and is encouraged is through wealth. What's the general idea here of, of, of uh, uh, Proverbs 19.4? I mean, does this mean, is, is this a, a rule? Is this a, a promise that if you go broke, you're not going to have any friends? No, it does, doesn't mean that. But again, a point of contrast, what, what's it teaching us here? It's like the example of Warren Buffett, right? Rich guy, everybody wants to meet with him. Poor guy, they don't even know who he is, right? Could the poor guy be wiser than the rich guy? Yeah, but what's the point? Well, this is the way of the world. Wealth in the way of the world brings many, note this, new new friends, right? That's right. That's right. They're not, it's not true friends. It's not genuine friends. There's a, a superficiality that comes with that. Number two, uh, again, now I'm using it in the negative sense. Proverbs 19.6, Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. So one of the things that encourages friendship is generosity. So also, there's a sense where generosity invites fake friendship. How many have heard the expression, they have to buy friends? You heard that before? What's the general idea of that? They don't have any real true intimate relationships. They have to spend money that entices people to want and to come and be their friends, right? 
That person goes broke. It's the people that are left standing that are their true friends, right? And then number three, Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What's this talking about? Guess what? It's not talking about kisses, right? Kisses are the metaphor. What's the the general idea here? Profuse, meaning a lot, are kisses. They're not kisses, are they? What are they? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Profuse kisses. Oh, my, 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 I just love you. You're so wonderful. Everything's so great about you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, is that when flattery comes, and incidentally, how many of us know flattery when it hits us, right? I mean, oftentimes it's like a two by four to the head, isn't it? I mean, someone comes up and they're just, oh, John, John, you're just so wonderful. And oh, yes, yes. Right? No, you don't. You go, hmm, smells like flattery, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know it. You can sense it. But the first part of that, which brings us all the way back to this, which is where I want to land today and then pray, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What's that mean? Doesn't mean wounds, does it? What's the point? Yeah, it takes us back to what Hilda said at the very beginning in terms of defining friendship, right? Faithful are the wounds, meaning when my true friend comes to me and has a criticism for me, I trust him. I go, ah, this, is, this is trustworthy. I'll, I'll take this. I might not take it from everybody. But my best friend, I'm going to take it because they're trustworthy. It comes in love. He is loyal to me. He's trustworthy, and I listen to his counsel, so forth and so on. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's no fun. It's not like flattery where it's just blown out there like a multitude of kisses. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they don't mean to hurt you. Yeah, sticking with the metaphor of iron, it's, it's a glancing blow, not a head-on collision. And the point is, is not to hurt, but that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, and, 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 to, and to make us better. That's the idea of iron sharpening iron, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. And indeed, he did betray our Lord with a kiss, didn't he? That's good. Let me pray for us. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for how practical your word is. And we thank you for uh, what your word has to say about friendship. And I pray that you would give us all true friends, that uh, those who do indeed stick closer to us than a brother. And I pray that you would bless us as a church as you continue to develop friendships within it. We pray that you would bless us now as your people as we seek to go across the street, assemble, and worship you. We pray that you would bless this in Jesus' name. Amen.